This morning's reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 to 18. Unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So today we are still in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're looking at this question of spiritual gifts. And we're looking at this today from a slightly different angle than we did last week. And if you weren't here last week, I'd really encourage you to listen back to David's sermon. Um, He spoke really, um, really helpfully about um, reminding us that if we are able to say Jesus is Lord, then we have received his spirit. And if we've received his spirit, then we also receive the goodness of his gifts. And um, those gifts aren't just shared with a select few people, they're shared with everybody, everyone who is able to say Jesus is Lord. And he was talking about the fact that we all have a different expression of gifts, but it's within our capacity to have the courage to step out and to try and to use those gifts in the service of our community. So if you didn't listen to that, listen to that, because that was great. Um, and so today, we're going to carry on looking at this. Our passage in 1, Corinth, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is a little bit further on from the pas- passage we looked at last week. And here is where Paul turns his attention to a slightly different, different angle on this. He's interested in our passage today at talking about the fundamental condition in which we find ourselves, which is the condition of being united in the body being united. So the beginning of chapter 12 talks about the gifts that we've received. The middle of chapter 12 talks about being united as one body. And the end of chapter 12 goes back to talk about some more gifts that we've received. So this bit is like the sandwich, the filling in the middle of the sandwich on um, the, the conversation about gifts. Receiving gifts, being united, receiving gifts. So I'm interested for us to look at this in a few different ways today. First of all, I'd like us to go back and think about the Corinthian church. Who was Paul writing to? And what was he trying to communicate as he was writing? Why was this piece of focus on unity so very important to them? Um, And then as we look at uh, this question of being united in one body, we can then look at, uh, at a couple of other questions. From this basic condition of being united, what's the purpose of using gifts? And what's the impact of using gifts? So let's start with the Corinthian church. Um, I studied a theology theology degree, and one of my big pieces of focus was 1 Corinthians. So you're going to have to forgive me if this is where I go, uh, because I love this. So Paul um, went to the Corinthian church, and um, 
he visited there. We read in Acts 18, he visited there after he went to Athens. He went to Corinth, and he, uh, he did his usual uh, preaching in the synagogues, preaching in public places. He established the church, but he also stayed in Corinth. He stayed in Corinth for about 18 months. So he didn't just pass through and preach in a few places and move on. He, he became rooted there. He not only led, uh, established the church, but he also led the church. He got to know people. They, they knew him. And a few years after he left, he heard some worrying news that the church was becoming very fragmented, very divided. Um, he wrote this letter in about AD 54, which was three or four years after he'd been at Corinth. And um, the divisions and the factions that he'd heard about were running through this church community, and they stemmed from different types of leadership. So Paul had been there teaching. They'd also received teaching from um, someone called Apollos and Peter, Cephas. And we read right at the beginning of the letter, Paul Paul talks about this. He says, some of you say, I follow Paul. Some of you say, I follow Apollos. And some of you are saying, I follow Cephas. Uh, These different teachers had very different styles. They had very different emphasis. And Paul himself compares himself quite unfavorably uh, with Apollos particularly in terms of his style and his eloquence. So in chapter 4, he says, um, I didn't come to you, um, where does it say this? I didn't come to you with eloquent words. Um, So there was a real challenge in this community of the, the impact and the power of different teachers and what they did with that. I'm always interested when you look at the beginning of any of Paul's letters because often in the very opening Thanksgiving sections you see sewn into what he says the things that are very important themes that come out later in the letter. And in 1 Corinthians, almost um, in verse 4, straight away we see Paul talking about spiritual gifts. He says, he gives thanks that the community is enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all kinds of knowledge. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. So we see right at the start of the letter, Paul putting attention on this question of spiritual gifts and the power and the impact of them, because these were at the heart of the divisions in the church. Their understanding and their orientation to gifts were what were causing them problems. So Paul writes a very direct and a very forthright letter in 1 Corinthians, and he's trying to warn this church community against the problems with divisions and factions. He spends quite a lot of time in the letter just before chapter 12 talking about quite specific things about what, about Christian practice, Christian life. He talks about, you know, is it okay to eat food that's been sacrificed previously to idols? Is it okay for Christians to bring lawsuits against Christians? So after he goes through these practical things, he comes to this question of spiritual gifts in chapter 12. Um, And this is why I think we see him setting such a strong foundation for this whole conversation about spiritual gifts. The foundation is that everybody receives gifts if they can say Jesus is Lord. This is not about comparison. It's not about spiritual status. The Corinthian Christians were tied up in competition about who was more spiritual What was the evidence of that spirituality, the working out of being able to teach, to preach, to to heal, to prophesy? So Paul is really anxious to set this very, very clearly, that um, the heart of being in Christian community is being in unity. And this is from where the spiritual gifts are worked out. Everyone is unique. Everybody has a part to play. 
everybody is different um, and everybody is interconnected. So this condition that we find ourselves as Christians in the family of God is a condition of being connected and being united with each other. This is the condition that the Corinthian Christians were struggling with and arguing over. Um, and so it seems to me, unless I'm mistaken, we don't have massive divisions in our church. You know, we're not riven with factions, unless I don't know something that you know. But it does seem to me that if we think more broadly about being Christians... Actually, we do struggle to be united, don't we? We do struggle to find common ground and to, to recognise that we're united. It's writ large in the Anglican Church right at the moment with this question of sexuality. The question for me is, do I really need to be fundamentally interdependent and interconnected with you lot in my spiritual journey? Do I really need to be? Well, Paul would say yes. He would say a resounding yes, because this is the condition of being able for us together to say Jesus is Lord. So we are interdependent and we're also united. We don't think the same. We don't see the world in the same way. And yet we can still live in unity and we can still make a unique contribution to building this community. It's interesting if you notice that after chapter 12, Paul goes on to chapter 13 where he focuses on love the very last verse of chapter 12, after Paul has talked about spiritual gifts, he says, and let me show you a still more excellent way. And then into the beginning of chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of angels, uh, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I'm like a clanging gong or a clanging, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Is it a coincidence, do you think, that he follows the section on gifts with a section talking about love? I don't think it is a coincidence. I think this is the, the way in which we enact the gifts of the Spirit. And if you look at Romans 12, which we looked at last week, it's another section where Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. What comes immediately after the, 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 the piece that he um, refers to about gifts, immediately afterwards he starts talking about love. Um, and so Paul, I think, is emphasising that the way in which we orientate to one another, the way in which we choose to use gifts, is with love and to build unity. And a final thought on this question of unity. It reminds me of that part in, um, in John where, where Jesus is praying before he goes to his death. He prays for his disciples, but then he also prays for those who will follow, uh, the believers who will follow. That's us. And he prays. Um, he prays, let me get it very specifically right. He prays that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be brought into complete unity. The thing is, we believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is a God who's fundamentally in relationship, fundamentally interconnected and in unity. This is the essence of God. And it's from this place that we draw our unity. If we mirror God we mirror this unity. So, you may be wondering, it's taken a little while to get specifically to thinking about spiritual gifts, but actually I'm not going to apologise for that because I think this is the context in which we need to think about any conversation, any exploring we have of gifts. The context is our unity, and that unity is a mirror of our God, the essence of our God. We can contribute to make this community stronger, deeper and richer as we use our gifts if we do so in love in reflecting God.
And I found myself wondering as I was thinking about this, perhaps this challenges something for us. Perhaps we could be challenged in how we fundamentally think about spiritual gifts. So perhaps instead of an individualistic look at this, possibly a Western worldview, where I look at my gifts, what are my gifts as Caroline? Perhaps we should be saying, what are our gifts? What is my part to play in working out the gifts that God has given us as the body? So I'm not seeking my own personal gifts. I'm, it's not gifts that belong to the little I. It's the gifts that belong to the big us. And I play my part in that, and you play your part in that. So I'm trying, as I'm speaking today, not to say my gifts or your gifts. I'm trying just to say gifts, because they're all of our gifts. They're the gifts of our body. One question also sprang to my mind about this passage was, why does Paul emphasize particular gifts? He talks about healing and prophecy and teaching, etc. And I wonder, actually, when we really root ourselves back in the passage, whether this is because these were the particular gifts that were causing such divisions in the Corinthian church. They were the, public, uh, they were the publicly obvious gifts that were causing rifts and divisions. So Paul was attending to that. He was wanting this church to think beyond the individuals and their status, and therefore how spiritual they were, to the collective. And I think we can do the same. So that's the condition of unity from which any use of gifts springs. So two other questions. What's the purpose of using our gifts and what's the impact? So I think one purpose clearly is to reflect the goodness and the unity of God, the giver of the gifts. Isn't it so true that the gifts that we give and the gifts that we receive often say so much more about the person who gives them than they do about the receiver? Um, I've been trying to help my nephew this week buy a teapot for my sister because he was very specific that he wanted to buy a teapot for her birthday. The time, the energy, the love and the thought that has gone into finding the teapot has been extraordinary. You know, and it says so much about him and his love for his mum, more than her use of the teapot, frankly. So using our gifts is about the giver. It's about reflecting something about the person who gives these to us. The purpose is also really clear in this chapter that it's for the common good. It's a good filter for us, isn't it, to be asking ourselves as we're we're, um, acting in service, as we're taking action and doing things, asking ourselves, how am I building the common good? And I love what we've heard from Marion about um, the book club because I think that's a great example, isn't it, of just building the common good by um, using gifts. Many, many of us use gifts in church on a Sunday morning, but many more of us use gifts of our body when we're just in our daily lives every day. We're, We're building for the common good in all that we do, whether it's in church on Sunday, in church on Thursday, whether it's in daily life. This is why we do it, to build for the common good. And so what's the impact of this then? Well, when we connect with the theme of unity and the metaphor of the body that is used in this passage, uh, it seems to me that the real impact is about belonging. That when we use our gifts, we build our sense of connection and belonging. Have you ever had that experience where you've been doing something with people and it's through doing them you feel more connected, you feel that you belong more with either those you're working alongside or those that you're serving? And again, I love Victoria's experience this week because I wonder if that tells us about belonging. 
Um, that as people act in the service of others and in the service of the common good, we build a sense of belonging. People met each other at your house, Victoria, who didn't know each other before. So another, another impact, I think, which is worth just mentioning briefly, is what we also know generally about personal resilience, personal well-being, mental health. We know because of the research base and because of psychology and work that you know, underpins this work is that when people give to others, they help their own mental health. It's a really important part of personal resilience, personal well-being. So using our gifts not only connects us better with other, others, helps us belong, but it bounces back in a blessing to us too. I wonder if there's one thing we need to just be mindful of avoiding. We need to avoid comparison. That comes really strongly from 1 Corinthians 12. Let's avoid comparison. Gifts aren't a reflection of the degree of spirituality of any one individual. They're a reflection of the grace and the goodness of God in the whole community. And comparison is really seductive, isn't it? We can slide so quickly into comparative thoughts. Am I more or less than that person? Am I giving more? Am I doing better or not? Am I having more impact? Am I a better Christian? Am I more godly? We're just constantly in a world of comparison uh, comparison in our thinking and we need to be very careful about it. That way lies emphasis on the individual rather than emphasis on the collective, the whole. So let's take good care to avoid that. So in conclusion, if you read through 1 Corinthians, you'll see Paul's passion around the divisions and the judgment in the church there. He cared really deeply because this struck at the very, very heart of what for Paul it meant to be in Christ. Unity, relationship and interdependence characterise our lives of faith. Um, We are not on journeys, solo journeys in this life of faith. There was a time when I chose to step out of church Um, It was uh, related to um, a time when Adrian and I, I think I mentioned before, but when we discovered we couldn't have children, as a a consequence of various things, we decided to step out of church for a while. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a community which felt supportive of that experience. But actually, after a few years, it it, it became very clear to me that the life of faith is not a solitary one. It's uh, It's not a path to be on on my own. It's a community one. It's one of unity. It's one of being in connection with others. Because it mirrors our triune God. And into this unity comes our choice to use gifts as acts of service. We use gifts to reflect the awesomeness of the person who gave them to us. And we use our gifts to build for the common good. So one final story to end. Uh, We had our Connect group on Tuesday... And um, we're, we're, we're ahead of ourselves. We're so enthusiastic that we're studying this week's sermon before the sermon happened. So we were looking at this, which is incredibly useful for me, I have to say. So thanks to all my group for your contributions to the sermon this morning. Um, but one story seems to me a really precious illustration of what I've been kind of ruminating on with you this morning. So we have a couple in our group who haven't been coming to the church for that long. And they were thinking about coming to the church and they thought they would just pop in and um, have a look around. So they popped in during a midweek at some point. And they met someone in church who was, who was arranging the flowers. And they had a conversation with that person. And they were so warmly welcomed 
by that person. And that person's enthusiasm about the warmth of the church made them feel that they would be welcome if they came. And so they came along the next Sunday. And they now come regularly. And um, they were sitting in our Connect group in the living room, eating very nice chocolate tiffin. Thank you, Pam. Um, they were sitting in our Connect room uh, group and realized that the person they'd met doing the flowers was also in the same group. And that person hadn't remembered the significance of that conversation. And I thought that was a lovely example of somebody who was contributing to the life of our church and the impact that it had had in building the common good, in building our community together. So for the gifts that we share in our community, we must be grateful because we are so blessed with so many gifts. And for the unity we have in our community, we must be very grateful. These gifts are not reflections of our individual skills, and our individual spirituality. These gifts are reflecting of what we've received from him. Um, And for each of us, we can ask, what are the gifts for this body that I might be able to work out? Uh, We've received them, and we hope that by using them, we reflect his goodness and his love. Amen.